in your life, if you could have one thing, what would you have? What would you get in life if you could just have one thing? If in life, life gave you one thing, what would you choose? What would your one thing be on this earth right now in this moment? Now, some of you may, may come here today and you, you're thinking, well, my one thing is I just want to, you know, I want to live a good life. Or I want, I want happiness. Or I want some joy in my life. Can I get an amen? Um, or I want, you know, peace. Some of you who have turmoil in your heart, you just want peace. And what is your one thing that you want today? One thing. If you had to think, what would it be? And you know what? I'm going to ask someone. Because I want to see what you guys say. And Sammy's looking like, Sam right there is looking away from me, like laughing. He doesn't want to say. Um, but I, I want to I find out what your one thing is. If you could choose one thing. I'm always looking for the person who's not looking at me. And this happens every time. Every time I say that, before I get down, everyone's like, trying not to look at me. And then when I say, I'm looking for the person who's not looking at me, everyone's like, I can tell who you are who don't want to be picked. I can just, I know, and it's most of you. No, I'm just kidding. Sammy. Brother. What's your one thing that you want on this earth? Um, I think being peace. Peace. Receive peace. In Jesus' name. Um, what about over here? Sorry, everyone. Bobby, what's your one thing? And you can't say BB. <laughs> Joy. Joy, wow. Okay. Joy, that's a good one. Receive it in Jesus' name. Oh, sorry guys. You can turn turn it down a little bit when I go past the speakers. Over here, what do we got? Uh, let me see, let me see. Hmm, hmm. Hmm, nope. Not feeling it over there. What about over here? Hmm, who can we choose? This guy looks like he's smiling. I'm gonna choose Ashley's sister. You're gonna you're gonna hate me for this. I'm sorry. What's your one thing in life? Good health. Good health. Okay. I can dig that. Good health. That means eating healthy, going to the gym, receiving health, not getting sick. One more person, Roy. <laughs> You're hiding under your cap. What's your one thing? I was going to say health, but she took it from me. Okay, so what's your other one thing? More happiness. More happiness. Okay, does that mean you're already happy? Okay, that's good. <laughs> more happy. Is it possible to get more happiness? Okay, he says yes. You want to go? Okay, let's see what you say. I candy. Candy. I love that one. That's my favorite. Let's give her a round of applause. I think that's, that's the best answer I've ever received. Candy. Who, would, who doesn't want more candy in life? That's amazing. You know, all this has to do with one word, and it's this, focus. Focus. Because... When you choose one thing, you can really focus on it. Now, 
I'm a guy, and I'm also the type of guy that struggles with focusing. So guys already struggle to focus. How many wives and women do I hear get an amen? <laughs> My wife is saying amen. Well, I'm a guy, and I'm also the type of guy that struggles even more. So I have an issue with focus. And my wife knows this because my mind is going at 100 miles an hour all the time. And whenever something pops into my head, boom, it comes out. If I get an idea, I'm like, ooh, 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 I got this idea. But I'm not just like that. I'm like, oh, this is a great idea. Let's do it right now. Not in like five minutes. Now. We have to do it now. That's me. So whenever my wife says, hey, you know what? I was thinking like... Um, we could, we could go here for, you know, maybe, I don't know, talking about vacations. How many of you like vacations? I was like, hey, we should plan a vacation. I'm like, okay, let's do it right now. Get my computer. And I'm already typing in, like, um, I don't know, awesome places to go, Bora Bora and stuff like that. Um, and she's like, whoa, 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 just hold on. We were doing something else. I just said, like, let's plan a vacation. You don't have to do it right now. Because my issue is that in the midst of planning the holiday, then something else pops into my head. I'm like, oh, forget the holiday. Let's do this. And so my life is saying that's so rich because it's true. I'm like that. And it, but it, it means that it costs me in life to focus. And when you don't focus, you end up doing lots of things, but half-hearted. You end up like starting this one and then, oh wait, but I gotta do this. Oh wait, but I gotta do this. Oh wait, but I gotta do this. And you, and you keep changing and, and moving around. And if you don't have one thing that you can focus on, where are you gonna go in life? You know, they did a study on driving. And they did a test on various drivers about where they went according to where they were looking. And surprisingly enough, even if the person wanted to go that way, but they were looking this way, they ended up going the way they were looking. I know there's a lot of you guys out there like that. You're on the turnpike on I-95 and there's a billboard there and you're like, oh. and then before you know it, and you're like, oh wait, sorry, I was looking over there and I got distracted. And it's like that in life. You're like, God, I'm going to go over here and I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to serve you with everything I have and I'm going to give you it, give you it all. Everything. I'm going to start my cell group. I'm going to win lots of people. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to come to church every Sunday. I'm not going to miss anything. I'm going to be the one who's there at all the intercessions at four in the morning. And you're like, okay, let's do this. And then a billboard pops up. Oh, that's nice. Oh, I can do with that. Oh, you wait a second. Oh, I need one of those in my life. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Because it happens as soon as you leave church on a Sunday. You get out of church and suddenly all these imaginary billboards and real ones Start flashing in your life. And before you know it, you get to Saturday, the end of the week, and it's church Sunday morning, and you've not done anything you said you were going to do. You've not got up to pray in the morning. You read your Bible like once, 
You didn't witness to anyone. You didn't tell anyone about Jesus. You didn't worship God at all through the week. You didn't tell him thank you. In fact, you didn't even talk to him. And it's Saturday and Sunday's tomorrow and you're suddenly like, ooh, I totally forgot. I got, a, I got a little bit distracted with my life. My life got in the way and I got distracted. And many things can distract us. If we want to be successful in our walk with God, we've got to focus. And we've got to do one thing. And let me tell you this morning, if you get this one thing this morning, everything else will fall into place. Everything else will figure itself out. You just got to do one thing. So what is it? What one thing? Well, I decided, I was thinking about this, I decided to do a little mini study on the phrase one thing in the Bible. You know it comes a lot in the Bible. The Bible says one thing, I think about 44 times. But there's three times it says it in particular that I want to look at this morning. And the first one is in Psalm chapter 27 and verse 4. You probably will have heard this before, but if not, that's fine. We're going to read it out. It says in Psalm chapter 27 and verse 4, it says this. One thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek. What one thing is it? To dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and meditate in his temple. This psalm was written by a man called David. And David became king of Israel. In fact, he was the greatest king of Israel. Under him and his son, Israel had never been so big, never been, had so much land, so much wealth. The people lived at peace. But he didn't seek wealth. He didn't seek peace. He didn't seek joy. He didn't even seek victory. What did he seek? One thing he sought in his life that was to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life. And David was a man with a, a sincere heart. He was a simple guy, a shepherd boy who became king not because he wanted to, but because God chose him. And God chose him, why? Because David understood this principle of one thing. David focused on one thing, which was to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life. And he started it from a young age. There's a song that um, a guy called Martin Smith sings called Shepherd Boy, and the chorus goes, I'm just singing, singing over you. And then there's, a, there's, I think one of my favorite lines in any song comes next. And they changed it for Chris Tomlin's version. I don't know why. I was a bit annoyed. But it says this, and all the stars are shining and love is breaking through. You think, why is that your favorite line, Rich? All the stars are shining. I'll tell you why. Because it paints a picture for me. It paints a picture of what David used to do when he was out in the field looking after sheep. 
Now, in those days, you know, the sheep grazed far and wide to find um, grass to eat. And so David would have just been out there on his own with a bunch of sheep. And the Bible says what he did was he just sang. He worshiped God. And I love that song. He said, I'm just singing. I'm singing over you. And all the stars out there are shining. And love is breaking through. I think that for me, that captures what David experienced when he was out in the field looking after his sheep, just worshiping God, praising God with his harp as they have it, a lyre, like a, a guitar of, of those days. Just worshiping him. Have you ever done that? Have you ever just taken time to be on your own just to worship God? Just to tell him how, how awesome he is, how much you love him, how much he means to you. And I can tell you this, that my experience has been every time I've met with God has been in worship. Every time that I've had like a supernatural experience has been during a time of worship. If you, you're here today and you're like, I don't know if God exists. Or if you're here today and you're like, I know he exists, but I've never really experienced him. If you're here today and you're like, I really, really want to meet God. To have that supernatural experience. The answer is to enter in to worship. Like David did. To get before God and just worship him. And I tell you, if you learn to do that, your life will change. Because something supernatural happens in that moment and heaven touches earth and your heart is filled with a love that comes from outside of you. You can't explain it. And I know there are some people here today thinking, man, I want that, but I've never experienced it. Does that really even exist? I tell you today, yes, it does. Because I've experienced it. It's something beyond what you can even describe in words. That's why it's called supernatural. Because beyond this earth, God reaches down and he pours out his love on you and you end up just in a mess on the floor, crying your eyes out. I'm not a very crying person, but sometimes in worship I cry because it's overwhelming. The God of the whole entire universe who made us all is meeting with me right here, right now as I worship him. It's incredible. But let me tell you, you can't worship like this. And you can't worship like this. When's this over so the preach can be on and I can get some food afterwards? Why has that guy got his eyes closed? Why is he, why is he crying? It's so weird. These Christians... Worship starts with a heart attitude. It starts with you saying, God, you know what? I'm not very good at this, but I'm going to give it a try. And just like this passage says, one thing I seek, I'm going to do that in this moment. I'm going to close my eyes and I'm going to focus. I'm going to forget about everything else and I'm just going to focus on you and I'm going to try and get through all the stuff to reach 
you so that I can see you face to face. Like the song we sang today, come to the altar, push through so that you can meet God face to face. And when you do, everything will change. For me, that's my one thing. And my first point this morning is, I've got three verses. And this first one is, one thing I seek. Paul said, one thing I seek. To seek something, you have to actually look for it. You have to get out there and look for it. If you've ever lost anything, like your car keys, and you know they're in the house, but you have no idea where they are, it's frustrating. Because you're like turning everything upside down. You're getting the, the cushions out of the sofa. And that's why I bought one of those little tiles, miracle workers. If you don't have one, you should get one if you're always losing your keys. You just press a button on your phone and it starts ringing. And you're like. And you find your keys in like two minutes instead of like two hours. Seeking requires work. It requires looking. And David said, he sought after God. How did he do it? Through worship. How did he do it? Day and night when he's out with the sheep with his guitar, singing, just singing, just opening his mouth and singing. And I'm willing to bet that at first he felt nothing. He was just sat there just singing away. But the more he sang, the more the clouds parted, the more heaven opened, and the more God began to open up David's heart to receive that supernatural experience. And I know that David met Jesus because in Psalms, we read about it all the way through the Psalms. David was a man who met with God. He knew God personally and he was able to sing with God. If you seek one thing in this life, don't seek money. Don't seek good health. I know that it's a, it sounds like a good thing. Don't bother about those things, even joy and peace. Forget those. Just seek one thing and that's this Jesus. Look for him, and everything else will fall into place. He will be your source of wealth. He will be your source of joy. He will be your source of peace. He will be your source of good health. He will be your source of everything. Just seek him. One thing I seek, to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And the second passage I want to read out today is in Luke chapter 10 and verse 41 and 42. Luke chapter 10, verse 41 and 42. And this is a story about when Jesus went to meet his friend, friends Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And he comes to the house and, and Mary is just sat at Jesus' feet listening to his every word. While Martha, her sister, is there in the kitchen busy doing stuff. Now if you're a doer, if you like to do stuff, you're the one who's always in the kitchen cleaning up afterwards. But I know what goes through your head while you're doing that because you're thinking, I'm here working hard and they're all there just laughing and having fun and, and, and I, just, oh, I wish someone would just come and help me. But I'm not going to tell them because they should just do it. They should be like me. You're laughing because you identify with that, right? Some of you don't know what I'm talking about because you're the one there in the party. And you're like, woo! <laughs> Let me just give you a word of advice. Just maybe once, every so often, just help out in the kitchen a little bit. But I'm going to tell you something today. Because Mary was, was the partier woo, with Jesus. And Martha was the one who was like mad. 
And she comes up to Jesus. She doesn't talk to Mary. You've got to love that when, you know, someone doesn't come and talk to you. They talk to, like, someone else, your, your dad. My, my son does this. Like, Daddy, he told me that I said this, that he said that, and he didn't do that. What do you want me to do about it? <laughs> and so Martha comes to Jesus like that, like, my sister's not helping me out in the kitchen. She should help me out more. I'm here slaving away, and she's not doing it. And this is what Jesus says in verse 41. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. How many of you are worried and bothered about something today? You know you're worried about something because it keeps coming back to you every day. And it kind of like weighs on you. That bill you have to pay. That person that you have to talk to. That thing you got to do. The errands you got to run. The house you got to clean. How many of you are worried and bothered this morning? Like Martha. And then in verse 42, he says this. But, now listen carefully. Only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her. What does it mean? What is Jesus saying? That it's not good to cook and clean and, and make sure your house is in order? No. Jesus is saying those things are good, but at the end of the day, there's only one thing that's actually necessary. In other words, you don't need to do those things. You might think you do, but you don't. Because when Jesus comes again, he's not going to ask you, how's your kitchen looking? Did you use the, you know, the Clorox or did you just use the, the, the pledge duster? Did you, you know, did you clean with the proper oven cleaner? Is it shining? Can you actually see your reflection in the stove? Or, or not? Jesus isn't going to ask you that. One thing is actually necessary. One thing is necessary. What is that one thing? And I'm going to tell you today, and this is my second point, one thing. The first one is one thing I seek. And the second thing is one thing I choose. Because this is a choice you have to make, and it's this, to accept Jesus into your heart. At the end of the day, nothing else matters. Apart from having Jesus in your heart. Apart from laying your old life down and receiving Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior in your life. When you get, I was going to say when you get to like older, but some people it happens earlier too. I'm 30 years old. I turned 31 this year. You know when you have like that midlife crisis? Have you guys heard about that? Have you, have you been through it? I had a friend um, back in, in England and he turned 40. And we were kind of laughing because the week that he turned 40, he turns up to church on this huge BMW 1200cc motorbike. And the guy was kind of short, to the point where he couldn't actually like step off it without like rolling the bike like this. And it's a heavy bike. We were like, because <laughs> he just turned 40. And we were like, this guy's having a midlife crisis. He was a, and, and what's funnier is that he tried to make an, make an excuse for buying it. He was, he was a carpet layer. 
And we're all thinking, how many carpets can you carry on a BMW motorbike? And it's not really, oh, no, no, no. It's, it's so that, you know, me and my brother, we can go ahead just on the bike and measure the rooms before the van comes with the carpets to lay them. He got rid of that bike in like two weeks. Sometimes you get it and you're like, what am I doing with my life? The average person lives, women more than men, like 72 I think it is for men and 76 for women. That's not a long time. A lot of you are young here and you're like, Woo, I, don't, I got loads to go. Woo, but you're going to get to 30 and then 40 and you're going to be like, where'd my life go? Week by week, I just did the same things over and over again. I cleaned the kitchen. I made sure I could see my face in the stove. I kept doing, you know, all the things that I just do day by day. But what have I really done? What have I really changed? Where have I got to? One thing is necessary, and it's a choice you have to make every day. And it's to go after Jesus, to follow Jesus. So you seek Jesus. You choose to have him in your life. And then what happens? Our final verse today is in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12. I still have this song in my head from when I was in elementary school because I went to a Christian school to look for my Bible verses. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, follow on. 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. There we go. Just to let you know what's going on in my head. Like I say, I say everything that I'm thinking. Um, so, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Thanks for bearing with me in that interlude. Nobody laughed. I guess you think I'm crazy, but that's okay. Because I'm crazy for Jesus. Philippians chapter... Amen. Oh you, can, you can give a round of applause for that one. There we go. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12. What does it say? It says this, not that I have already obtained it, and this is Paul speaking to the Philippian church, not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. And then read this, brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies Press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. One thing I seek, one thing I choose, one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind. You know, there's no place in the kingdom of God for regrets. There's no place in the kingdom of God for unforgiveness. Or even for embarrassment. Or insecurity. Because all those things are in the past. And if you're looking behind, where are you going to go? If you're looking behind, you're only ever going to live in the past. That's why Paul said, one thing I do. One thing I do. Just one thing I forget about the past and I press on to the future. I focus on what God has for me in the future and I go for it with everything that I have until I get the prize, until I get that upward calling of Christ Jesus in my life and I see the result of everything that I've worked for in my life. I want to say something in this point. 
The enemy uses fear to direct the course of your life. Did you know that? Because fear causes us to look in the direction that we're afraid of. And as we've already seen, you end up going where you're looking. I had a, a friend back in England, a different friend from the motorbike. I had lots of friends in England, thankfully. As a different friend. And he was a great man of God. He did everything that he could for Jesus. But he had a fear in his life. And I didn't find this out until after. Friend, another, another guy came and said, you know what? He feared one thing and it was this. He was afraid of becoming like his dad. His dad was a drunk, a gambler. His dad didn't really love him, wasn't there for him. And he said, yeah, he was fine except for this one little fear. He was afraid of becoming like his dad. You know what I'm going to tell you? He became just like his dad. You know... I don't know how it happened, but he, he ended up getting into the underworld. He ended up smuggling drugs to Europe. He became a professional poker player. That was his profession. Obviously not a Christian at this time. He completely turned his back on everything God had for him. And he had a calling on his life to be a pastor, to change the nations. He was a very charismatic guy, but he had one fear to become like his dad, and that's exactly what happened. He became a drunk and a gambler and a drug runner because he was afraid of that happening. Paul said, forgetting what is behind, forgetting where you've come from, forgetting your fears. There is no place in the kingdom of heaven for fear. Because fear is a tool of the enemy to direct your course and pull you away from that one thing. If you allow fear in your life, the enemy will twist and turn it until you end up down the road that you are very afraid of going. One thing I do, one thing I do, I forget what is behind and I press on to the goal. The goal that Jesus has for me. So that when I get to 40, I don't have to go out and buy a BMW 1200cc bike. Unless you really want one and you just manage to afford it when you're 40, I'll let you off. Um, because you've completed what God had for you in that moment. And you know what, if you haven't and you're 40 or over, that's fine too. Because the great thing about this passage is it works every day. Forgetting what is behind, I press on to the goal. So when I get to tomorrow, what do I do? I forget what's behind. Every day this passage works. Just forget what you left in the past, your fears, your insecurities, your embarrassments. None of it matters. Why? Because Jesus is there for you. Jesus wants to meet you. And Jesus wants to lead you to a new life. And today you can have that. 
today, all those things that you said, the joy, the peace, the good health, the love, everything, you can have it all. All you need to do is one thing. All you need to choose is one thing. All you need to seek is one thing, and that is Jesus Christ. He is the most amazing man to ever walk this earth. The Bible says he came, he walked the earth to show us how to live. He chose 12 disciples, and they're the ones who pass the message on to us today. Then he went to the cross, and he died, and he shed his blood for every one of us, for our sins, for our shortcomings, for our pains, for our suffering, for our hurt, for our sickness. He died on the cross. His heart was broken inside of him so that when they stabbed him through the side, the Bible says blood and water flowed, which meant that his heart had completely ruptured and that everything had just mixed in together. Jesus' heart was broken for you so that yours can be made whole. And then they buried him. They buried him in a tomb and put a stone over the front and had guards there. But as we know, it doesn't stop there because on the third day, he rose again. He rose again and now he sat at the right hand of the throne of the Father. And some of you might be thinking, well, that's a load of rubbish. Or maybe you're thinking, well, that's cool, but so what? If Jesus rose again, to be a Christian because that's a miracle there's a movie out at the moment called A Case for Christ if you get the opportunity I want to encourage you to watch it because it's about a journalist whose wife became a Christian and he was like a pure atheist he hated Christianity he hated God and he was convinced bent on one thing and that was to convince his wife to come back to atheism to leave her faith so he said, how can I do this? I'm a man of the facts. I'm going to get all the facts and I'm going to throw them in her face and she'll have to leave her Jesus. And so he went about disproving the resurrection. Someone told him, if you could disprove the resurrection, you disprove all of Christianity and it's true. Because if Jesus didn't rise on the third day, none of us have life or hope. But if he did, all of us have life and hope. And this man, he went about disproving the resurrection and the amazing thing is spoiler alert put your fingers in your ears if you really want to watch the movie he got to the end and he couldn't all the evidence and there's a lot of evidence pointed to the fact that Jesus rose again from the dead there's more evidence for Jesus rising again from the dead than there is for the Greek writings that Homer did. If you don't know who that is, don't worry, but it's, a, it's an old thing that everyone puts all their faith and trust in in the universities. There's more evidence for Jesus than there is for Julius Caesar. You've all heard of him, the Roman emperor. Jesus really did walk this earth. He really did die and he really did rise again from the dead. And today you have an opportunity to do one thing. If you only do one thing in this life, you can do it right now. So I want to invite everyone to stand in this place.
Bible says when there are more than just two people gathered together in his name, he's there in their midst. What does that mean? That means Jesus is right here, right now. Through the power of his spirit, he's here. Jesus is here. And he wants you. He wants your life. He wants to know you. He wants to help you. He wants to bless you. He wants you to fall in love with him. And today is an opportunity to do those three things. To seek, to choose, and to do. And the first, the first thing I want to do together, to seek Jesus in this place. And so I just want to invite you where you are, just to close your eyes. Just to lift your hands and just to worship God. You might be thinking, I've never done this before. It feels weird. doesn't matter. Just do it. Just try it. Just lift your hands. Forget about the person next to you. Forget about what you're going through and focus on Jesus. Imagine that he's here, right here in front of you. And just begin to worship him. Just begin to worship him.